Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse number 21, and then I'm going to read Mark 7, 24 through 30. They're the same stories, just uh, Mark says it in a different way. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. Thanks, Mike. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered them and said, I was sent to only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him and said, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done. Somebody say it shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. If you would just uh, flip over to Mark chapter 7. As a matter of fact, it's on the screen for you. Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. Um, And I just want to read this really quickly just to give some context. It says, and Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house... He wanted no one to know of it, wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. And after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs but she answered and said to him yes lord but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs and he said to her because of this answer go the demon has gone out of your daughter verse 30 and going back to her home she found the child lying on the bed the demon the demon having left I want to draw your attention to verse 26. It says, now the woman was a Gentile. Everyone say Gentile. Gentile. Of the Syrophoenician race. Amen. Uh, You may be seated. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject four colored girls. Amen. Four colored girls. Amen. The Bible says, and the woman was a Gentile. Syrophoenician. By race. Matthew calls her a Canaanite woman. Amen. For colored girls. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
for colored girls. Uh, this summer, in the month of July, round about the 14th of the month, all of the news media outlets followed intently as the President of the United States of America, Donald Trump, engaged in a war of words with four freshman congresswomen who decried his policies, his politics, and his divisive rhetoric. These four freshman lawmakers, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who have been come to know, be known as the squad, were engaged in a debate with the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, about whether or not articles of impeachment should be filed against the President of the United States after reading and hearing the testimony of Robert Mueller in the Senate committee. Donald Trump, as he often does, decided to insert himself into the controversy by telling those four women that if they did not like how the country was being run, that they should go back to the crime-ridden and infested nations that they come from. Donald Trump says to these women, three of whom, by the way, were born right here in the United States, tells them that if you don't like it, then you should leave and go back to the country of your origin. And although people were upset for many different reasons because of the racist rhetoric of the president, one thing that it drew out for me specifically was this. We often attempt to silence the voice of women when they speak against things that we are in favor of. That everyone likes to hear the voice of a woman when they are agreeing with us. But when they disagree, we then subjugate them to second-class citizenship, telling them that they can either be quiet or leave. And the reality is simply this. Many of us who are in the building know what it's like to be treated like a second-class citizen. To be, treated, to, to be treated as if our opinions do not matter. To be treated as if what we have to say does not matter. To be treated as if, if we don't like what we're hearing, we have to go find another place to be and we have to get out of the room when uh, other people start talking because they do not appreciate what we have to offer and what we have to say. And I found it interesting that Donald Trump could have lashed out against other politicians because there were white men that were calling for his impeachment. There were white women who were calling for his impeachment. There were black men who were calling for his impeachment. But instead of levying attacks against them, he decides to levy his attack against these four women of color. He decides to attack four colored girls. 
And somebody in the building knows what it's like to be attacked and to be uh, placed on the sidelines of life because people don't value what the Lord has placed in you. I'm talking now not just to women, but some men, too, that have got something on the inside of you. But because of something that people see on you or because of the race that you are a part of or because of the color of your skin or because of your education level, they discount what God wants to do in you. And the truth of the matter is simply this what do you do when you have been subjugated to second-class citizenship uh, because you are black and sometimes because you are a black woman yeah yeah because the thing about black women is we can appreciate their beauty when they're in music videos or when they're in magazines we can appreciate their beauty when we're looking at them on Instagram and when they're modeling stuff but when they open up their mouths we like Donald Trump call them nasty women God help me and I don't want you to just look at Donald Trump like he's crazy because you have to understand that Donald Trump is not the originator of American sexism as a matter of fact the reason why Donald Trump was able to grab about grabbing women by the private parts and still become the president of the United States is because we live in a nation that has grown and prospered through the objectification of women. God help me. I know y'all don't want to hear this good preaching today, uh, but the truth of the matter is the reason why we elect leaders who are vile and disgusting is because who we put in office is a reflection, God help me, uh, of the vileness and disgusting nature of our own hearts. We talk as if we appreciate women. We talk as if we value women. We talk as if we love our sisters and our daughters and our nieces and our mothers. We talk as if we value them, but at the same same time we do not do what we're supposed to do to protect and honor them and so we look at Donald Trump Lord help me as the manifestation of American wickedness but he's not the creator of it because there is something on the inside of us God help me that is over 500 years old there is something wicked God help me I'm talking to black folk now I'm talking to people of African descent now I'm talking uh, to people who understand that white men God help me uh, were raping women on slave ships and then throwing their pregnant bodies overboard during the middle passage. God help me. Can I help you? Uh, I got I got really got to help somebody here. You got to understand now my white brothers and sisters that are going to watch this at some point and listen to this podcast. You got to understand loving uh, to look at a black woman or being sexually attracted to a black woman does not exempt you from being racist in your heart because racists have been loving to look at black women for a long time. But when you are able to take that lust and put it away and see the value of that sister, God help me, see the value of that brother, see the value of those people as people who were created in the very image of God and who deserve honor and respect, that's when you move out of prejudice into partnership. And I want somebody to know that even though we live in a society, God help me, that subjugates women of color to second class citizenship, you better know today that you serve a God that moves miraculously on behalf of colored girls. God help me. Is there anybody here who knows that you shouldn't be here? You shouldn't, God help me. You shouldn't have even made it into the sanctuary this morning, but there was something that God did for you. God gave you an extra oomph. As a matter of fact, I can preach to some men and some women here who know that the only reason you're here is because there was some colored woman, God, some black woman 
praying for you. You had a grandmother that prayed you through. You had a mother that wouldn't let you go. You had somebody in your life that when you were going crazy, about to lose your mind, God heard the prayer of a colored girl somewhere. And is there anybody here that's glad that you serve a God that works miracles? God help me for colored girls. God help me. I know, I know society tries to tell you that all you are are a body and they don't respect your brains. But God says, I do something special in the life of colored girls. I know society tries to tell you not to protest and that you can't be a leader and that even when you come in the church, they tell you to be quiet and that you can't preach and they tell you that Paul said that you can't do it and that the New Testament doesn't allow women to open up their mouth. But you got to understand that if a woman named Mary can carry the word made flesh, that if Mary can preach to the apostles and tell them that Jesus has risen, then God does something special. Y'all ain't helping me here. Oh, man half of colored girls. God moves in a special way. He does miraculous things. God help me for colored girls. And that's really what the text is talking about today. I'm almost finished y'all. That's what the text is talking about. The Bible lets us know that Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He has walked on water. He has engaged in a vociferous theological debate with the Pharisees. And now after engaging in that debate, he is tired of dealing with religious church people. So the Bible says that he ventures 35 miles from Galilee to a place called Tyre of Sidon. The Bible says he leaves religious territory and goes to a place where there are no church folk. My God, I got to pause there parenthetically and say it's a shame when Jesus is tired of church folk, when when Jesus gets tired of religion. And, and how many churches do we have that think they're practicing religion and they're honoring God but Jesus had left a long time ago. They think they're doing the work of the Lord. They think that they're preaching God's gospel. They think that they're preaching the word but God has left them. Jesus is tired and so he's left them a long time ago but the Bible says that when he gets there Matthew and Mark let us know that Jesus does not want to be bothered by anybody. He goes into a house and tries to hide himself from the people who are around but the Bible says that when he gets there, a Canaanite, a Syrophoenician, God help me, a Gentile, God help me, y'all got to, uh, 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 he says a Canaanite, uh, a Syrophoenician, a Gentile, a Canaanite, a Syrophoenician, a Gentile, a Canaanite, a Syrophoenician, a Gentile, you don't understand it, uh, uh, a colored girl, God help me, uh, the Syrophoenicians were of African descent, Syrophoenician, uh, they, they were people of mixed descent coming primarily from the African continent. This was a colored woman. Huh? And it is interesting now that Matthew and Mark make it a point to point out the race of this woman. God help me. I want to help all my folk who say I don't see color. God help me. Uh, if you don't see color then there's something wrong with your vision because God sees color to the degree that he felt it necessary to point it out in the text with two different authors. Look now at the harmonies of the gospel. Two different writers who did not share. Uh, this is Matthew the Apostle and this is John Mark, God help me, who writes these two Gospels. They were not together and yet they tell the same story even though the accounts were written 33 years apart. God help me. Matthew and Mark tell the same story and they choose to point out that this was a colored woman 
who found Jesus. God, help me. Uh, she, she, she's colored and she's chasing after Jesus. And the Bible says that when she gets there, she begins to cry out, have mercy on me. Lord, son of David, for my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. I, I, I want to point out something to you uh, really quickly. The woman has hell at her house. She has hell going on at her house. But she doesn't allow the hell that is at her house to keep her at home. God, help me. Even though she has hell at her house and conventional wisdom says that you ain't got to go up to the church. You need to stay here and try to work on the hell that's going on in your house. She defies conventional logic and says, I'm not going to allow the hell that's going on at my home to keep me in the house. And you got to understand that it is the desire of the devil to get you so caught up and so overwhelmed with the hell that is happening at your house that you stop coming to Jesus. But the woman teaches us something that is profound. When there is hell going on at your house, don't let the hell at your house keep you away from Jesus, but let the hell in your house make you run to Jesus. God, help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but is there anybody in the building today who can say, I got something going on at my house, but I'm not going to let it keep me at home. I'm going to run to God. Is there anybody here who has ever felt the weight of pressure from a hellacious work week, from a bad marriage, from a poor decision, from sickness in your body and everything in you tells you that you need to stay at home but God says that if you can get up out the bed and make it to the house of God even if you got to do it with tears in your eyes I'll do something for you that you can't do for yourself and is there anybody here who understands that no matter what happens you've got to make it into the house of God Pastor Josh why why do I have to come to church I'm sick in my body I'm tired in my mind I've got pain in my heart Monday is coming and I hate my job I, I'm trying to be married and my husband works on Sunday and this is the only day I get peace to myself but baby you got to get up out of the bed and make your way to church get into the house of God because there is something that God does in his house God help me that can't happen in your house well pastor Josh I got to refute you right there I got to debate you because you don't even have a church building you meet in a cafetorium you 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 meet in a cafeteria you meet in Arlington Middle School so why do I need to get up and come to the cafeteria uh, because you said God's house well you got to understand uh, that whenever the saints come together and consecrate a place to the name of God that place is no longer what it was but it becomes the house of the Lord uh, Pastor Josh that sounds real good and clever but you don't have Bible to back that up well I've got Bible for it because what God does to this cafeteria is the same thing that he did to your body through salvation because the Bible said that although you had once lended your members to sin know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost so when you come into the house of God and you pray and you worship and you say God we create a sanctuary for your glory this place Lord help me becomes the house of the Lord now you can't do that at your house because
because you got to have somebody else that's in agreement with you. But when you come up in here and the saints have agreed that this place shall be the house of God, God does something special in here that he can't do everywhere. And is there anybody here who knows that? You've got to get to the house of God because God does something special in his house that he can't do at your house. As a matter of fact, some of y'all now, that's why you made it to church this morning because you need God to do something for you that nobody else is able to do. The woman says, I'm coming to chase after Jesus because I heard that there was something in him that nobody else has. Notice now, be seated please. Notice now, the woman identifies him not just as Lord, but she calls him the son of David. Understand now that this is not just some arbitrary title that she throws out religiously. She's not like you and me. She's not using Christianese. Uh, but she calls him who she actually believes that he is. She calls him the son of David. Uh, this messianic title, this, this authoritative title of the coming king. Uh, she calls him the son of David because she wants him to know that she believes uh, that he has the power uh, to fix her problem. Lord, help me. And is there anybody here who made their way into church, uh, didn't really feel like getting up, you were mad when your alarm went off, but you got dressed, uh, wiped the sleep out your eye, washed your face, uh, got in the car and came to church with a little bit of gas uh, because you believe that Jesus has the power, Lord have mercy, to fix your problem. Is there anybody here who believes that he's still got power? I know we live in a pluralist age. I know we live in an age where everybody says every religion is just as good as the other and every religion is just as powerful as the other and every religion has just as much strength as the other. But I'm one of those crazy folk that still believes that Jesus is the one that has power. That there is no other name given unto heaven whereby we must be, not could be, can be, shall be. It says we must be saved. God, help me. We got to be saved by the name of Jesus. And is there anybody here who can say, that's why I showed up to church. Not because I like to hear Pastor Josh's preaching. Not because I like uh, uh, Brother Holloway's singing. Not because this is my favorite place to be and I ain't got nowhere else to go. But I showed up because I need something from the Lord. Okay, y'all tripping on me. Is there anybody here who can say, I need God to do something. I've got some hell going on in my house that only Jesus can't fix. I can't cuss my spouse out enough to get him to act right. I can't threaten my children enough to get him to behave. I can't cuss at this person at my job enough. I need the Lord to move on my behalf. But notice, notice the cry. I, 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 I could spend a lot of time, I could spend a lot of time on the cry itself. Uh, uh, but it is not the cry itself that impresses me. It is what she cries that impresses me. Because the woman says, have mercy. She says, have mercy on me. Uh, notice now, she says, have mercy. Everybody say mercy. Now, biblically, we understand that oftentimes grace and mercy are uh, together in a text when they are mentioned, but we have to understand biblically there are two totally different ideas. Uh -huh. that, that grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is divine help from heaven that you do not deserve. It's when God comes to back you up in a place where you should have been left by yourself. That is grace. But mercy is different because mercy is the withholding of punishment that you do deserve. 
Yeah. Mercy is when you deserve punishment or consequence for your action. But God, instead of giving you the consequences that you deserve, withholds those consequences from you and allows you to live as if you have done nothing wrong. But you know and he knows that you don't deserve what he allowed you to live in because the consequence of your sin was death. Okay, y'all don't hear me. Uh, the, the woman then, when she asks Jesus for mercy, she is admitting to the Lord that she deserves what she's going through. That, that there is something in her action. There was something in her history. There was something that has happened in her life where she invited that demonic presence into her house through her own action. And now that thing that she invited is now resting on her daughter and she should have to live with it because she's been derelict in her duties as a parent. But she asked God, even though I don't deserve it, Lord, would you have mercy? God, help me. Oh, God, I got to press a little bit further. You don't get it yet. The woman saying, I did not pray for my daughter like I should. I did not parent her like I should. I was out partying too much. I was out kicking it too much. I, I was working all the time and I didn't read them the Bible. I didn't cover them with the word of God. I did not do what I should have done as a parent and because of that I left my child open to be possessed by a demonic spirit and God I should have to live with it but I'm asking you Lord to have mercy. God help me. You don't get it yet because you don't have a demon possessed daughter but you got a demon possessed marriage. You, you got some demon possessed bank accounts. You have some demonically oppressed supervisors and co-workers and the truth of the matter is you have not been a model spouse you have not been the best financial manager you have not been a model employee as a matter of fact if we could go back and look at your life we don't all understand that you have been trifling in certain areas of your life and you deserve to have what it is that you're getting you talk too much your mouth is too smart you do too much you clock in late and you leave early and you don't do all your work before the end of a work day and now you're dealing with pressure that God should have to make you live with but your cry when you come to the house of God is Lord I don't deserve it but would you do me a favor Lord help me I, oh God is there anybody here who can say I don't need God to do a whole bunch of stuff for me but Lord just do me a favor Lord Lord get me out of this mess that I flirted myself into God get me out of this mess that that, that I manipulated my way into God get me out of this financial bondage that I rebelled my way into I should have waited oh but God if you help me if you if you lift this burden Lord do me a favor is there anybody here who can say I need God to have mercy on me I need God to have mercy on me I need Lord have mercy Lord have mercy. has that been anybody's prayer in the building God I need you to have mercy on me he says, have mercy on me. Lord, do me a favor. I, I know I don't deserve it. I know I'm not worthy of it. I, I'm not even tripping about whether or not I deserve it. We ain't even got to have that conversation. We can have it if you want to. Uh, but we don't need to have it because I understand because of all the things that I've done. Lord, I don't deserve what I'm asking you for, but could you do it for me? Anyhow, Lord, have mercy. Uh, uh, why? This is why, why, why does she need him to do it? Not for her. 
but because someone she's connected to, God help me, is being oppressed. God help me. She says, my daughter, God help me, the King James says, is terribly vexed with a demon. Lord help me. Uh, my daughter is demon possessed. Oh God. And can I tell you, uh, women, I, I, want, I want to talk uh, specifically to you this morning. Can I tell you, women, uh, why the devil can't stand you? Lord, help me. Uh, uh, the reason why the devil can't stand you is because no matter what he throws at you, uh, oh God, the devil can't make you selfish. God, help me. Oh God, help me. Even when you're going through hell, you still find a way, Lord, help me, uh, to intercede on behalf of somebody else. Is there any woman, now? I'm just talking to my sisters now, is there any woman in the building that has gone through hell but you found yourself praying for somebody else? You found yourself praying for somebody you didn't even like found, found yourself interceding on behalf of somebody who had been wrong to you you know you need prayer yourself you know you need she didn't say Lord my daughter's demon possessed now help me so I don't go off on her God my daughter's demon possessed now give me the strength to endure her a little while longer she says God my daughter is demon possessed and I need you to lift this spirit God help me up off of my daughter now is there anybody here oh God who understands that God does not send you through stuff for you but he's sends you through stuff so that you can develop the anointing of an intercessor so that you can learn how to pray somebody else through put a bookmark down coming back to that uh, she says my daughter is cruelly demon possessed cruelly demon possessed uh, terribly tormented King James says terribly vexed uh, Literally what she's saying is my daughter is tripping because she got a demon on her. <laughs> that child, uh, Lord Jesus, is working my last nerve. And I believe it's because she got a demon. Help her. So I don't have to help her. You, you, you've got to do it your way so that I don't have to do it my way. But check this out. The woman issues a passionate plea. To the Savior. But her passionate plea, the text says, is met by the silence of the Savior. Uh, because the Bible says that he did not answer her a word. Uh, I want to talk now to some people uh, who got baby worship. Yeah. Uh, because baby worship can't withstand frustration. See, baby worship worships for a response. I, I knew you wouldn't get it, so let me help you. Okay. Um, my son loves music. Yeah, he loves music. If you put some drumsticks in his hand, nothing has to be playing. He has a beat in his head, uh, and he's been like that. My wife will tell you uh, from an early age. I remember when he was like four or five months old, we found out that he could clap his hands on beat. He could not speak. But he'd be in that rear-facing car seat clapping his hands on beat. And it blew our mind because our daughter, God bless her, has a wonderful spirit. She's very intelligent, um, but she has not rhythm. Yeah. Uh, loves to dance. Lo loves to dance, uh, but, but she hath not. Uh, uh, that internal synchronization of rhythm that comes with most African people. She does not, uh, she does not have that. It, it, it skipped a generation. I... I I have no idea. Her mother has rhythm. Uh, her uncles play the drums. Her father's musical. Her auntie's a musical. But for some reason, my baby does not 
have rhythm, and my son loves music. So my son, right, doesn't matter what's going on, he'll start singing, he'll start dancing, he'll start playing, right? When my daughter found out that that got my son attention, what she started doing was she started singing too. She started wanting drumsticks too. She started wanting to play music too. But then when she realized that her doing what he did did not get her the same response from the father, she put the drumsticks down and started playing with her Barbies. Because immature worship does it for a response. But real worship does it because it's in your heart. God help me. Uh, and the woman teaches us a lesson. Because she worships God and asks him for something. But he does not answer her. And could it be that the silence of your savior is meant to test the persistence of your pursuit? God help me. Uh, uh, that maybe he's not talking to you because he wants to see how real your pursuit of him is. Because if it's real, you'll keep chasing even when he's not talking. God help me. Oh Lord, I, I wish I had somebody who understood it. That my worship is not predicated upon a response from God. But my worship is based on the reality that he is worthy of my worship. And maybe God is withholding an answer from you. Because he wants you to understand that the answer is not as important as the pursuit because if the point of your worship is receiving an answer when you receive an answer you'll stop worshiping but if the point of your worship is the pursuit of God even after he answers you'll keep chasing because you wasn't worshiping for an answer you were worshiping because you were trying to be attached to the person God help me and is there anybody here who can say I'm still chasing after him God help me he's not talking to me uh, he's not giving me what I want to hear he's not telling me what I want to know but I'm still chasing God help me do me a favor help me preach touch your neighbor and say I'm still chasing God help me I know he's not speaking to me I know I haven't gotten the answer to my prayer I know that he hasn't worked it out yet I know that my balance is still the same I know that I'm still sick in my body. I know that it's not working out the way I said. I believe it's going to work out, but I'm still chasing. Her passionate plea is met with the silence of the Savior. But then also, it is met with the declaration of the disciples because the disciples say, can I teach y'all some Bible real quick? Uh, if I don't hoop today, don't be mad. I, I want to teach y'all some Bible. The, the disciples say, send her away because she keeps shouting after us. Uh, says, Lord, send her away, King James, for she crieth after us. NIV says, Lord, send her away. She keeps shouting at us. And typically, uh, you, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard that preached. Uh, Oh, that the disciples got it wrong. She's not crying after y'all. She's crying after Jesus. And, and, and that's good preaching, uh, but it's bad exegesis because uh, the disciples weren't trying to get her to be sent away empty-handed, right? Uh, the Greek word of the text, when it says, send her away, it is the Greek word apollyon, right? Uh, it, it, is, it is akin to the same word apostolos, uh, which means sent one. 
uh, when the disciples begin pleading with Jesus for him to send her away, what they're saying is, Lord, please give her what she wants. Because now she's screaming at us. So the disciples were not asking. Apollyon means to send away, not in any kind of way, but to send away in peace. They're saying, Lord, give her what she wants because she's a screamer. God help me. Uh, uh, which means, look, look, I got to help you now. Which means that there was a praise in this woman that caused the other people who were following Jesus to hear her and say, Lord, we don't know what she needs. Lord, have mercy. But whatever she needs, give it to her and send her home. Lord, help me. Because we can't deny uh, her scream, Lord, help me. Uh, uh, and somebody in here needs to learn how to stop putting your praise in a prison because you're afraid of disturbing someone else. God, help me. But you got to learn how to open up your mouth and cry out to God because sometimes your cry, Lord, help me, will allow other people who are in the house of God to begin to plead with God on your behalf and ask God to give you what you want. God, help me. Oh, God, can I tell you the kind of church I want to pastor? I want to pastor a church full of people who are unselfish, full of people who don't make fun of folk for how they praise, full of people who don't laugh at folk because of how they worship. But when you see somebody going in and losing their mind in worship, you begin to praise God with them and begin to intercede on their behalf because you know that there is something that they need from God that only Jesus can do. God, help me. Oh, Lord, is there anybody in here who is committed to unselfish intercession? Lord, have mercy. Is committed to unselfish praise, unselfish worship, that it don't have to be about me. But when I see somebody losing their mind in worship, God, help me. I begin to ask God, Lord, give him what he needs. Lord, give Give her what she's asking you for. Lord, she's a worshiper. Lord, he's a praiser. Give him what he wants. God, help me. Do me a favor now. I need you to help me preach. Find somebody next to you. Yeah, find somebody. Look them in the face. Look them in the face and ask them one thing. Ask them, what is one thing that you're believing God for? Tell them. Ask them. Ask them, what is one thing? Oh, tell them what you're believing God for. Come on, tell them. Talk to them. I need God to give me a new car. I need him to fix my fire. Finances. I need him to fix my marriage. I need him to open up doors. I need him to wait, make a way out of no way. Tell them what you're expecting God to do for you. Now, if you told them, if they said something to you, now I dare you, go off and start praising God like they've already got it. Not for you. Not for you, but begin praising God like they've already got it. Like they've, God, this ain't even for me. This is for the person next to me. This is for my neighbor. This is for the person I asked. What, God, give it to him. Come on, God, give it to him. God, give it to him. God, give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. Lord, whatever they stand in need of, give it to him. Praise him like they've already got it. Amen. Hallelujah. Be seated, please. Be seated, please. <laughs> the disciples say, the disciples say, send her away because she keeps shouting at us.
So then it makes sense then in verse 24 that he is speaking to the disciples and not to the woman. When he says in verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah, he, he, he reminds her or reminds them, look, I'm tired. And, 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 you know, I'm God and stuff, so I can get past being tired. But this is not even the area of my assignment. You know, this ain't even where I'm supposed to be. Matter of fact, culturally, if we be honest, as a Jew, Jesus has no business entire of Sidon. He went there to hide from religious people, so he went to a place where religious people would not go. And he's saying, look, y'all, she want me to do it, and God bless y'all, y'all want me to do it, but I ain't supposed to do it. If I do it, I'm breaking a rule. Yeah. I'm breaking rules. But the woman who is in an earshot hears Jesus talking to his disciples. And the Bible says in verse 25 that she came and began to bow down before him. Now I told you that the silence of the Savior could be there to test the persistence of your pursuit. And after the silence of the Savior and her and him seemingly ignoring her plea, the Bible says that she takes her worship to another level. Because when the Bible says that she began to bow down, that means that she was standing up. But she changed her posture in worship to let Jesus know that this thing meant something special to her. God, help me. Oh, God, she, she, she changes her posture, she, she bows down. Now, you've got to understand that the Greek word for bow is a word proskuneo. It's, it's proskuneo. It's where we get the word prostrate. It is, uh, it, it, she's not bending at the waist. She is laying down flat. She is laying down her worship, almost like a speed bump in the road, to where in order for Jesus to get past her, He's got to either step over her or fix her problem. Uh, he, she lays down. She puts worship in his walkway. God help me. I, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but, but, but you got to understand that sometimes the reason why you haven't gotten an answer is because your position is wrong. God help me. Uh, you want to worship in an upright position that influences and enhances your pride. God help me. Uh, you want to worship God the way you want to worship him. But, but God says that if you're in the presence of a king, it's only right for you to bow down. <laughs> and I want to help somebody because there are those of us who have perfected bowing on the outside. But we're standing up on the inside. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know how to lift your hands, but you won't let go of that money. Yeah, you can speak in tongues, but you don't speak to people. Huh? Huh? You can get to work on time, but you come to church late. 
So you bowing on the outside, Lord, help me. Uh, but you're standing up on the inside. God, have mercy. And you need to understand that God does not want a prostrated body with a standing up heart. God, help me. Uh, you've got to learn how to bow uh, on the outside and on the inside. How do I know that the woman's posture was correct? Because the Bible says that when she bowed, she said to him, Lord, help me. God, help me. Oh, Lord. She said, Lord, help me. Yeah, she said, God, I know what your assignment is. I called you the Messiah. I know if anybody's aware of my colored girlness, it is me. I got to deal with it every day when I look in the mirror. I know that I live in a society that makes me worse than a second-class citizen. I, I know that uh, culturally I'm not even allowed to be talking in the presence of a group of men, let alone a rabbi such as yourself. But God, help me. Lord, have mercy. And is there anybody here who's ever been in a place of desperation where you had to ask God to help you? You couldn't find anything eloquent to say. You couldn't find anything cute to say. You couldn't use alliteration and poetic prose to get your prayer out. But it was so painful. It was so excruciating. It was so visceral that you had to cry out and say, God, help me. And when she puts worship in the way, Jesus can no longer ignore her. So he says something to her that is perplexing. He says, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I really don't have time to deal with that the way I want to, but let me just say this. Jesus is pointing out to the woman her cultural racial reality. Yeah. He's pointing out to her her position in society. That the children of Israel are the kids of the king who the servants have prepared a feast for the family. And Israel, the 12 tribes, picture 12 seats around the table with God as their head, are sitting around the table with their father at the head of the table. And he tells the woman, you are not the children at the table. You are not even the servants that get to eat off the cook line back in the kitchen. But you are the dogs at the feet of the children at the table. Now, you've got to understand this now. You, you, you've got to understand this now. Because this was not Donald Trump saying this. This was not Mitch McConnell saying this. This was not David Duke saying this. This was Jesus giving her an accurate depiction of where she stood because of sin on God's priority list. God is telling her, you are not a child. You're not even a doulos, a bond servant that gets to eat while they serve. You and everybody like you in society are dogs. <clears throat> and can I teach you something? 
before you're able to put your hands on your miracle. You've got to learn how to deal with the danger of becoming offended by truth. Because there were so many people, God help me, who would have rather defended their dogness, God help me, than to accept God's assessment of their situation, God help me. Uh, uh, Jesus says you a dog, but you want to say, no, God, I'm not a dog. I'm something else. Uh, Jesus says you're a dog. No, Lord, I'm not, I don't receive that. I'm not a dog. The Lord rebuke you, Lord. I'm, 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 I'm not a dog. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a dog. I, I am a servant of the most high God. No, you're not. You're a dog. You ain't even clean enough to work in my kitchen. You are under the table with the rest of the mutts. And the woman has a, has a decision to make. She can either argue with God about her situation. Or she can accept that sin has made her less than human. God help me. Oh Lord. I, uh, somebody needs to understand that when you are in sin. You do not get a seat at the table. Lord, help me. When you are in sin, you do not get to declare to God who you are. If God calls you a hoe, that's who you are. If that, you got to be honest. I need to be delivered. If I got whole tendencies, Lord, I need you to help me. I, I'm full of lust, God. I need you to deliver me. You're an alcoholic. You're a drunk. You're a cheater. You're a wife beater. You're childish. You're a gossip. You're crazy. And you can spend your time trying to argue with who the Holy Ghost is telling you that you are or you can do what this woman did. He says, look here. She says, look here. Jesus said, uh, it is not right. Look here. It's not right for me to take this wonderful meal that has been prepared for the children. Uh, and take it off the table and give it to the dogs. God help me. Uh, but notice what the woman says. Oh God, I, I'm, I'm out of time. Uh, the woman says, even, she says, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I almost missed it. She says, yes, Lord. <laughs> uh, yes, Lord. <laughs> it's two words. Right? Huh. It is amen, kyrios. <laughs> uh, she says, kyrios, that's the word uh, for Lord. As a matter of fact, most archaeological finds of Christian uh, history have something imprinted on them called kyrios Christos. It's Lord Christ, right? Uh, uh, she said, but she says, before she says, Lord, she says, amen, <laughs> which is translated, even so, let it be, God. <laughs> uh, she says, yes, Lord. True that. Show you right. I ain't even arguing with you. <laughs> but let me tell you something. Yeah. Uh, 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 on God and them. Uh, but, 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 but can I tell you something? Even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Uh, God. Uh, can can I, I really can can y'all give me five minutes? I promise. Uh, 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 look here. 
because I got to preach the text right. I, I, I wouldn't be me if I didn't preach the text right. I got to preach the text right, because if I preach the text right, it'll bless you. Uh, so, so listen, Jesus now paints an illustration that it is important for you to know the context of Matthew chapter 15. Because Matthew chapter 15 is preceded by Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is in Israel working miracles. He feeds 5,000 men, not including women and children. He heals people of their diseases. He walks on water. And then he goes into the temple after working all of these miracles and tries to have conversation and dialogue with the Pharisees, the children of Israel. But they do not receive him. And because they do not receive Jesus, who calls himself the bread of life, they mishandle the bread. And so now the crumbs of the bread of life leave Israel and find themselves in Tyre and Sidon. God help me. Jesus is the bread, God help me, that has fallen from the master's table in Israel and has landed on the floor in Canaan. God help me. And so now the woman is approaching the bread of life who because of the wastefulness of God's children has wound up in a place where he wasn't intended to be. But the bread that they wasted is ready to be pounced upon by a hungry dog from Canaan. God help me. Uh, let me help you. Uh, my children now, they eat grown people food. Uh, my son, for some reason, uh, for whatever reason, uh, he, uh, when he gets done eating, uh, he takes his hand and takes all the crumbs that are underneath his plate. My daughter doesn't do this. She, she, she leaves her crumbs on the table. Uh, but, but, but my son, for whatever reason, when he gets done eating and there are crumbs underneath his plate, I think he thinks he's cleaning up. He takes the crumbs and he wipes them onto the floor. Now, when my son doesn't really want to eat his food, but he wants to be done, what he'll do is he'll pretend like he's eating and he'll just let it fall down on the floor. So sometimes his plate will be clean, but my floor will have food on it. Because my son does not understand the work that went into getting the money to buy that food. My son does not understand the value of the work that was put in to make that food. He can allow it to fall on the floor because he takes what his daddy gives him for granted. God help me. But one day I got irritated. I was probably irritated because my wife had said something to me about having mess on the floor when the kids are eating, when I'm feeding the children. And so I took that frustration out on my son. I said, boy, don't you understand that there was somebody hungry somewhere that would love to have... Uh, what you allowed to fall on the floor. God help me. And what the Samaritan woman is saying is saying, I know you got some wasteful kids, Lord, that don't appreciate the power of what you brought to them in Israel. But I understand that if it falls on the floor, I can eat the crumbs. Now let me bless you. I got to get in my seat now. Why is the woman excited then about receiving the crumbs? Oh God, because she understands that even if she doesn't have a whole slice of bread, 
The same thing that makes up the crumbs, God help me, makes up the bread that's on the table. That there is still power. Oh, Jesus. There is still power in the crumbs that fall on the floor. Now, I told you in Matthew chapter 14 that Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. How did he feed 5,000 people? It wasn't with a catered lunch. It wasn't by him calling in for pizza. But the Bible says that there was a little boy, God help me, that had two fish and five biscuits. And the Bible says, you got to understand now, that Jesus did not multiply the biscuits. But the Bible says that he broke off pieces. God help me. Uh, broke off crumbs of the biscuit. But as he broke, the biscuits didn't run out until everybody was fed. So the woman says, uh, the reason why I know I can trust the crumbs from Christ is because I see what Christ just did with some crumbs. God help me. Is there anybody here who can testify that you understand that a little bit with God is better than a whole lot without him? I'd rather take crumbs from the Christ than to have a whole meal without him. Lord, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Uh, let me pause there and I'm done. Let me pause there to remind every religious demon, every church person that feels like you're a gatekeeper to the body of Christ, that it is not your table. That even though you have a seat at the table, God help me, it's the master's table. That's why you can't talk to nobody crazy about what they have on. It's not your table. That's why you can't keep nobody from serving in ministry because they got an issue. It's not your table. That's why you can't make fun of nobody when they walk in here and they worship differently than you because they ain't been in church all their life and they ain't perfected bowing on the outside but being nasty on the inside. It's not your table. It's the master's table. It's, it's the master's table. Uh, so then Jesus said to the woman, this is where Matthew concludes his narrative. Jesus says to the woman, oh, woman. Oh, he didn't say, oh, woman. Oh, woman. He says, oh, woman. Great is your Be it done for you, God help me, as you wish. Lord, have mercy. Ah, uh, Can I tell you what the text teaches us here? It teaches us this, that the Lord may not be manipulated by your tears. He might not move because of your worship. But the text says he will always respond to your faith. God, help me. Oh, God. Is there anybody here who can say, I might not be able to sing like Holloway. Uh, I'm not much of a crier, uh, but I believe God. God, help me. Uh, oh, Lord. Uh, uh, can I tell you uh, what real black girl magic is? Uh, real black girl magic is your ability to believe God in spite of impossible situations. God, help me. Oh, God, as a matter of fact, that ain't just black girl magic. That's black folk magic. Because everybody in here has been in a situation where we've had no choice but to trust in God. Is there anybody here who can say, that's my testimony? I believe God. I, I believe he'll make a way. I, I believe he'll open doors. I, I believe he's going to do it. I believe he's going to turn it around. I believe God. 
And the text says that her daughter was healed at that very hour. But Mark, because his gospel was compiled a little later than Matthew's, he has details from the testimony that Matthew left out. God, help me. Uh, because Mark says, God, help me. In verse 30 of Mark chapter 7, and when she got home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. Can I tell you why that's important? Because the casual reader of this first century text would have read Matthew's gospel and had to have just taken on faith that the girl was healed. But what Mark does is he gives us additional information to let her know, to let us know that when the Canaanite woman made her way home, she found her daughter healed, which is proof then that the Lord did exactly what he said. God help me. Oh Lord, I, 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 I don't got nothing better for y'all than that. I, I got to close here, but I just want somebody to know that he's going to do just what he said. God help me. Uh, the Bible says, oh, that when she got home, Lord have mercy, uh, uh, she came to church. Yeah. She got a word from God. And she was so excited to see, Lord have mercy, whether or not the Lord had done what he promised, that she got up out of her seat, went home first. And when she got home, the Bible says she looked in a house and saw that God did exactly, Lord have mercy, what he said, Lord have mercy. Is there anybody here who needs to know that God is going to do exactly Oh, God, help me. Help me in the building today. I, I need somebody. That's the word of the Lord over your life. Look at what he says. Matthew 15, verse 28. It says, it shall be done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. It shall be done. Mark 7 then says, it happened. Just like he said. Okay. You missed it. I'm, 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 I'm going to give it to you one more time. Jesus says. It shall be done. Mark says. She went home. And when she opened the door to her house. It happened. God help me. Just like he said. Lord have mercy. Okay. Let me run it back one more time. Jesus said. Because of your faith. It's not a possibility. It's not a probability. It is not a theory, nor is it a hypothesis. It shall be done. Lord, have mercy. And if you're reading the text wondering about the power of it shall be, God help me. Mark says it was done. Lord, help me. Just like he said. And I want to preach to somebody right now. I want to preach to some woman who's been believing for something impossible. I want to preach now to some man in here today that's been asking God to do something that you don't think is possible for him to do. God told me to tell you because of your faith, 
it shall be done. And the word of the Lord over your life is that when you get home, God help me. Oh God, who am I preaching to today? Uh, when you get home, it's going to be better than it was than when you left. God help me. Do me a favor now. We got to get out of here. My time is up, but just grab somebody. Take them by the hand and tell them neighbor. Oh God, you ain't saying it right. Say neighbor. It shall be done. It's going to happen just like God said. No matter what God said, it shall be done. Is there anybody in the building today who needs a word from the Lord to say it shall be done? You've been waiting for God to change your situation around. But the Lord told me to tell you, it shall be done. Is there anybody here who believes God that it shall be done? I dare you now to help me preach. I don't have much voice left. But would you turn and grab your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm praying for you. Do me a favor now. And every woman, find another woman and put your arm around that woman. I said, every woman, find another woman and put your arm around that woman and say, girl, I'm praying for you. God said, it's about to be done just like he said. Because of your faith, God is getting ready to move on behalf of a colored girl. Is there anybody here that can say, I believe that I serve a God that works miracles for colored girls. There was a colored girl named Mary who was betrothed to a man named Joseph. She thought she was going to be a single parent, but the Lord sent her a good man to help her raise her baby boy named Jesus. There was a colored girl named Deborah who was a judge over Israel. They said women shouldn't leave, but that's not what my Bible said. The Bible said that Deborah had to stand in the place of a bunch of afraid men. And the Bible said that when she stood up, the Lord worked a miracle on her behalf. There was a colored girl named Rahab who had a checkered pass. She ran a whorehouse in a city called Jericho. And the Bible says that when the two spies from the nation of Israel needed a place to hide, that they hid out in a whorehouse owned by Rahab. And the Bible says that when they were trying to escape, Rahab let the scarlet coal out a window so they could climb down to safety. And the spies told Rahab, when the Lord gives us this city, hang the cord out the window and keep your family inside of your house. And the Lord will spare your house because I know that you're a whore and you own a whorehouse. 
Israel. I know what they tell you about these hoes, but that ain't Rahab's testimony. Rahab was loyal, and because Rahab was loyal, God worked a miracle for that colored girl. Is there anybody here that can say God works a miracle on behalf of colored girls? Well, can I close like a Baptist preacher? I know I'm Pentecostal, but I got a Baptist pedigree, so I wouldn't preach, Brother Herman, if I didn't tell you about one more miracle that the Lord did for a colored girl. That same colored girl named Mary, who gave birth to a baby boy. Watch that baby grow in favor with God and man. But because of a corrupt government, her innocent baby boy got caught up in a court case and he was called guilty when he was actually innocent. And that colored girl had to watch them whip her son all night long. Had to watch them march her son up a hill far away to an old rugged cross. They watched him. She watched them put nails in his hand. She watched them put nails in his feet. That colored girl watched them take a spear and poke him in the side. That colored girl watched blood and water come from his side. That colored girl watched Roman soldiers gamble over her baby boy's garment. That colored girl heard the Roman soldiers say, surely this must be the son of God, the son of God, the son of God. That colored girl heard Jesus say, Mother, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. That colored girl watched them take her son off of that rugged cross in burial clothes and that mother like Mike Brown's mother that mother like Tamir Rice's mother that mother like Freddie Gray's mother that mother like Eric Garner's parents that mother had to have a funeral for her innocent black son that mother had to have a funeral for her baby boy that was executed by a Roman police force even though he was captured unarmed but can I tell you that that's not how the story ends because God works some miracles on behalf of colored girls is there anybody here that knows the story so then you know that Mary after crying that Mary after mourning that Mary after burying her baby boy got up on a Sunday morning yes Lord I'm sorry y'all I done got happy that she got up after burying 
she got there to conclude her mourning process by anointing the body of her baby boy. The Bible said that Mary's son was not there. But when they got there, the stone had been rolled away. That stone symbolizes the sin of man that keeps you from getting to a holy God. But when Mary got there, the stone had been rolled. It had been rolled away. And there was an angel sitting on top of the stone and said, hey there, colored girl, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but he got just like he said is there anybody here who's glad that the Lord works miracles for colored girls is there anybody here who's glad today that God works miracles for colored girls what a friend we have we have in Jesus all of our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is to carry everything. Yes, God. To God in prayer. Is there anybody here that knows he'll work a miracle for you? I dare you. If you believe that you don't deserve it, but you need God to do you a favor, I dare you to open up your mouth. I dare you to open up your mouth. I dare you to open up your mouth and say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. I need you, Jesus. from the Lord. I need God to turn my situation all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way. I got cancer, but I believe you can turn it up. All the way. I got depression, but I believe you can turn it up. All the way. I got pain in my mind, and I shake it but I believe you can turn it all the way all the way around and if you believe it then do me a favor in this cafetoria don't wait till the battle is over but shout now shout now shout shout shout
said, shout now. I said, shout now. I said, shout now. I need a black woman now. Because there's something about the praise of a black woman. I need some woman in here to open up your mouth and shout now. I said, shout now. I said the Lord is. I said the Lord is. He's able. I know the text says he's worthy, but you need to know he's able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask a thing. He's working now on behalf of some woman who has anxiety and depression because you can't see your way out. He's working right now on behalf of some woman who feels like you've hit the glass ceiling on your job. The word of the Lord is either there'll be a promotion or you'll start your own business. He's working right now on some woman who's married and angry. You feel like you made a mistake. You feel like you're trapped in the shadow of a jacked up marriage. But God said, I make all things beautiful, not in your time, but in its time. There's some woman in here that's believing God because you've been single and saved, but you're tired of being by yourself. But God says, if you keep chasing after me, if you chase after me, I'll make sure that you're running to the one you need to run into. God said, while you're serving me, I'm preparing you and I'm preparing him and you're going to find him. Y'all ain't happy. You're going to find him in your time. Is there anybody here that can say I'm waiting on God to send me what's mine? Not somebody else's husband. Not somebody else's man. But I'm waiting on God to send me what's mine. Yeah. It's mine. Is there anybody here that knows that the law is going to work it out? Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has in store for colored girls. But if you got the Holy Ghost, the Bible says he'll give you a sneak peek by your spirit. So this next part ain't for everybody, but I need every woman and 
to close here now. We got to get out of here. But can I tell you a story? There was a picture in the Smithsonian Institution. There was a picture in the museum of a painting called Checkmate. And there was a man who went in to view the picture. And he saw the picture on the wall. And he studied where the pieces were on the board. And the man said, excuse me, I've got to talk to somebody. I've got to explain to somebody that the picture is wrong. They brought out the curator of the museum. And the man said, what are you talking about? The picture is wrong. He said, well, sir, the name of the picture is Checkmate. But I'm an international chess champion. And after studying the pieces on the board, I've got to tell you that it's not Checkmate. He said, why isn't it Checkmate, sir? He said, because the king has one more move. And as long as the king has one more move, it's not over. Come here, let me preach to you. You might be in a situation where you feel like the game is over. But the Lord told me to tell you that the king has one more move. Now that's not exciting for you if you worship the wrong king. But let me ask some sanctified folk. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He Yes, he is the king of glory. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Oh, ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the king, the king, the king, the king of glory shall come in. Who Yes, God. Y'all ain't got it yet. I'll praise him all by myself. Who is the king of glory? The Lord. The Lord. The Lord. Strong and mighty. The Lord. The 